Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 239 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am so thrilled that you're here with me today. If you're watching on the video, I am in a friend's house who is out of town house sitting for her. Um, so that's why it looks a little bit different, might sound a little bit different, that might keep, keep happening for a while on this show, as you know. Uh, today we are talking to Kirsty Capes, and we are talking about stealing or borrowing tips from screenwriters in order to write novels. And she was, as all my guests are, delightful, so I know that you will enjoy the interview. Stick around for that. What's going on around here? Well, um, moving is continuing apace. It's been a very exciting, very incredibly busy week. Um, probably the busiest we've had so far as we completed cleaning out the house, getting the interior painting done, getting the staging done. Um, we, I just realized this morning when I was journaling that we are not homeless because we have a house, but we are without a home. Our home is gone. Uh, the staging is ridiculous. It, is just ridiculous. If you look at my Twitter, I have linked, uh, or on my Instagram too, I have posted pictures of what the stagers did to our house. It is so fancy. It is mid-century modern. It is clean lines. It is light colors. Um, it's white carpet. Who <laughs> is white carpet? Um, all of that has been done. All of that has been put in. And as of yesterday, people are coming through the home and um, hopefully somebody will want to buy it as soon as possible. Uh, I'm here in this friend's house for another few days, and then we will go back to the house and we will live in the staged furniture, which makes me very nervous, especially when it comes to my wife and her coffee cup on those white carpets. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm just planning on buying drop cloths, uh, drop cloths and putting them absolutely everywhere because I don't trust us. I don't trust myself and I don't trust her. So it is a weird feeling. We have everything that is ours that we need for the next however long with us. We have our clothes, we have our computer setups, um, everything that is not packed and ready to be put in a shipping container is with us. Besides our kitchen stuff, we did leave a minimal amount of kitchen stuff in our kitchen because we are cooks and we will keep cooking and we will pack up the spices and our favorite two pots at the very last minute, right before we leave the country at the end of July. Uh, so for the next two months, we are without a home home, without our home that we created together and have lived in together for the past 15 years. But what, what is home? What is home really? Home is um, my people, my wife, my family. Home is my writing home is reading, home is talking to you all, uh, home is thinking about writing, home is teaching, home is being with my students, that is all home, that's all the home that I need. Uh, get back to me in six months and see how I feel about that statement, but it is pretty exciting right now, and I'm feeling, feeling pretty good, I really am. Uh, I'm glad that we rehomed our cat, Waylon, when we did because he is settled in so beautifully and that makes me so happy and um, my little dog Dozy is actually going to be living in this home behind us um, until we can send for her until we buy a home and can send for her she's going to be living with my friend Sophie and that's the house we're in so it's really pretty nice that we're spending 10 days in this house with, house with Dozy so that she can 
get to know this as her new home as well. And, um, when it comes to writing, I can admit that it, except for the two hours twice a week where I'm in Rachel says, right. Where I'm writing. That's about the only time I'm writing right now. It's been, it's been rough and that's fine because I'm actually not on a deadline right now. I'm just doing different projects, finishing up some revisions of things. And I do get those four hours a week. But on the other days I have, I have been, I, I, I have, um, I'm not a step tracker, but my aura ring that I wear that tracks my sleep. I am a sleep tracker because I have terrible sleep and this has really helped me to get better sleep. It also tracks my steps and I was really impressed when I started to get 11 and 12 and 13 and 15,000 steps a day as I was, you know, moving around the house, packing, moving, cleaning, doing all this stuff. But over this last weekend, I was getting 23, 24, 25,000 steps a day. <laughs> Absolutely exhausted. So much to do. And it's, um, it's seemingly never ending. So I think that now that the whole, the house is open for business and people are coming through, there's really nothing left to do. There's nothing left to pack. I would like a nice 5,000 step day where I just walk from the, this desk to the bathroom and back and maybe out for a coffee. Uh, so that it, because, because, uh, Sophie lives in a place where there is walkable. I have to tell you, this is one of our dreams is to someday live where we can walk to things. Uh, for 15 years, we have lived in a place in East Oakland. There is nothing to walk to even the liquor store closed. There is literally nothing to walk to at all. Here at Sophie's house, there is a Trader Joe's, there is a Pete's um, coffee shop, there is a Chipotle, there's a 31 Flavors, there's a comic book shop, like literally two blocks away. So someday in New Zealand, we would love to live someplace where we can walk to someplace. Walking to a cafe, isn't that amazing? Um, and we're entering a time where perhaps we're getting closer to being able to write in cafes again. In New Zealand, of course, we'll be able to write in cafes because they've been open since last June. Um of 2020. But all of us in the United States too, are getting to a place where perhaps writers are going to be able to go out and write again. And for a lot of us, that's kind of a big deal. However, we have gotten used to writing at home, haven't we? So that's been something. That's one of those silver linings of the pandemic. Perhaps we all had to learn how to write and revise in our homes, which is something that I've heard from a lot of writers is something that we were really bad at. A lot of us were really bad at. So that's exciting. Um, I'm just going to jump into the interview right now. I've updated you on all the important things. So please enjoy this. Please uh, get some of your own writing done, whether that's in your home or in your car, on one of those car lap desks like I have. Um, and then come find me where I am on the internet and tell me about it. I really, really love hearing from you all about where and what kind of writing you're doing, what you're struggling with. Please let me know. I will be doing a mini episode soon, um, probably within this next week. So if you have any questions, I have a couple questions that are waiting in the queue that I will get out in that mini episode. And I really love doing those. So if you are a patron at the level at which I am your mini coach, which is $5 a month, um, lay some questions on me. Let's get some good ones in there. There are already good ones in there. Let's get some great, a great selection to do a mini episode on. And thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being writers because you're amazing. Okay. Bye. Hey, is resistance keeping you from writing? Are you looking for an actual writing community in which you can make goals and be held accountable for them? Join Rachel Says Write, a twice-weekly, two-hour writing session on Zoom. 
You can bop in and out of the writing room as your schedule needs, but for just $39 a month, you can write up to four hours a week with our wonderful little community in which you'll actually get to know your writing peers. We write from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Thursdays, and that's U.S. Pacific Standard Time. Go to rachelherron.com slash write to find out more. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Kirsty Capes. Hello, Kirsty. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So it lovely is, to meet you, Rachel. It's a thrill to have you on the show, and I'm so happy to talk about writing today. Let me give you a little introduction. Kirsty Capes works in publishing and as a care lever, is an advocate for better representation for care-experienced people in the media. She recently completed her PhD, congratulations, which thank investigates you. female-centric care narratives in contemporary fiction under the supervision of 2019 Booker Prize winner Bernadine Avaristo. Careless is her first novel. And when this um, releases, it will have just, the book will have just released. So congratulations on that. Thank um, you. <laughs> have you, have you, we don't, we don't have a term that I can think of, and it may be a blind spot in my vocabulary. And I shouldn't even say the word blind spot using more sensitive language, but we don't have, we don't use the term care lever here in the States, as far as I know. Can you mm. explain what a care lever is? So a care lever is um, anyone who has spent time in the care system um, at any time in their life. I think generally um, from like a uh, policy governmental perspective, it's it's six months Mm. uh, in the care system, although I might be wrong on that. It might be three months Um, and they have left the care system. So, you know, they've either aged out or they've... um, uh, left whatever care situation they were in. I feel like here, at least there people, I hear conversation, um, people talking about there should be a term. We should have a term. Instead, we just mm-hmm. have foster kids who've aged out. And that's, I mean, there might be a better phrase for that, but I love that you are an advocate for this. And talk to me a little bit about how your first novel is about this subject. Did you always want to do this? Or is this just kind of what came out of your body as a care leaver yourself? Yeah, so I think there was definitely um, a part of it that it just came out of my body, as you say. (laughs) Um, So I grew up in foster care myself, and I always wanted to write. Um, I always wanted to be a writer. I was a really big reader as a kid, and I had I went I went to university and I did creative writing at university, and a lot of the creative writing that I was doing uh, were kind of short stories and poems and things like that, that were kind of um, influenced by my own experience growing up in care. So I had all of these kinds of bits and pieces of writing where I was kind of looking at the care experience, dealing with my own care experience, um, kind of working through some of that. And I got to the point where uh, I was I, I felt as though I was ready to start writing a book and it seemed very natural for me to write something about care because I'd been through it myself I had so much first-hand experience of it I had a lot of writing already on the care experience and it it felt like it was something that I needed to do for myself to kind of have some sort of catharsis maybe mm-hmm. um to you know kind of deal with some of the 
sort of unresolved bits of my own experience and also you know I was very very aware that when I was growing up in care there were very few representations of people Mm -hmm. like me in the books that I was reading and as such a big reader especially as a child it was so it felt very important to me to um, write something that felt very true to my own experience but also felt more of a positive and hopeful representation Mm. um, of someone who's been in foster care and that's kind of where careless came from it I'm not done with it yet because I I I just started it the other day, a little bit late, but it is beautiful. Your, oh, writing, you. your writing is just sublime and it deserves all of the accolades that you are getting. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited to read more of it. Let's talk a little bit about what your writing process is like. Um, how do you get it done? Do you have a full-time day job? Are you working around that? Are you working on the next book? Tell us all about that. Well, it's in, it's interesting that this podcast has fallen when it has because I just sent my second book to my editor yesterday, oh. the first draft. So <laughs> my and 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 as we're recording this, I think your book comes out in about a month. Is that right? Yeah, about three weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly the time frame I had for my first two books, and I hated yeah. turning in my second book before <laughs> the first one had come out. It it was yeah, awful. Yeah, it was really in, insane. So. Um, yeah I mean it's all at the front of my head at the moment so I can tell you all about it but um, I I do have a full-time job I have a nine-to-five I work for HarperCollins funnily enough um, for Mills and Boone which I think in the states is called Harlequin yeah Um, so lots of lovely romance I'm I'm also Um, a romance writer so I'm I'm all about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um, yeah I do my nine-to-five there and um, what do you do there? Uh, I do marketing, um, which is loads of fun. I love working there. Um, it's just the best. So, hmm. yeah. So it's been it's it was quite intense. And I think originally, when I got my book deal um, back last year in February last year, um, they kind of asked me when I would be able to deliver book two, and originally they wanted January. Um, 2021 Um, and I was also doing a PhD at the time last year as well so oh my god (laughs) it was quite a lot going on (laughs) but um so originally I was kind of doing my day job and then my PhD was kind of evenings and weekends and then I went straight (laughs) from that into writing book two so um, I kind of said, can I have April, please, instead of January? And very, very gratefully, they said yes. <laughs> Mark you, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but most of my writing, not so much for book one, uh, for Careless, because I was um, writing that as part of my PhD, but definitely for the second book, it has been um, kind of a little bit of a balancing act in terms of balancing my day job with the writing mm-hmm. um, and I've at the moment because I'm working at home because of the pandemic um, I found it quite difficult writing in the evenings because I'm essentially turning off one laptop and turning yeah. on another yeah and kind of not really moving or anything so how do <laughs> you manage of, it well at, at first I I I told myself that I would my weekday evenings was for me no writing in the evenings so I 
I sort of protected my weekday evenings as kind of like my me time, my Netflix Good. time or whatever. But, and so I was I was writing um, sat on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and then it got towards, it got closer to the deadline. <laughs> and um, I realized that I needed to write more. <laughs> So, as we do so yes exactly <laughs> didn't quite my um, meticulous word count planning did not work out um so yeah I ended up to sort of the last month or two um I was kind of doing lunch times evenings weekends like any any spare moment I could grab um so yeah it was quite intense but <laughs> as we speak when did you ship it yesterday afternoon. oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> and did you spend the night in front of Netflix and bottle of wine. Yeah, glass of wine, okay. absolutely. <laughs> One thing I want to point out that you said there that is really, really important, I think, and this is something that I forget and that people I talk to always forget, but you said first, I protected me time. Mm, and yeah. we have to, we have mm. to have our downtime planned. Otherwise, as writers, we always have that nagging, like, I should be writing, I should yeah, be writing, I should be writing, but not yeah. if you've planned it. So yeah. that worked, yeah. um, I bet that worked as well as it could until you ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I always think that, um, like writing is a little bit like setting yourself homework. Um, yes. and you know, you've never, you can never do enough and you can, you can never, you know, have, have an, enough of a word countdown in a single day or a single week. Um, and I think it can be quite difficult to um, kind of combat that sort of the, the guilt that's associated with that. Yeah. If you're not writing, if you're just, you know, going out with friends or, you know, watching Netflix or whatever it may be um, to kind of um, stop yourself from feeling guilty about not writing whenever you're not kind of thing. How so do you I found that quite difficult? How do you manage to do that when you manage to do it? <laughs> <laughs> if you manage to do it. <laughs> I think um I think having a really robust schedule for me is really important and rather than kind of thinking about word count and things like that um I kind I give myself kind of allotted times whether it's you know, a few hours or a lunch break or a morning, a Sunday morning or whatever it might be. And um, this is kind of gross, but on the weekends, I, I write really well in the morning. The morning is like the perfect time for me to be writing. So on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I wake up, I walk the dog and then I tell myself, you can't take a shower, you can't get dressed you can't do anything until you have written for two hours. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And it does work. It's not, maybe it's not the healthiest strategy, but. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. As, as writers, we probably, as, as writers, we probably shower less than other people anyway. I mean, honest, that's my biggest goal in life. Um, what is the biggest <laughs> challenge you have when it comes to writing? Mm, I think. I think for me, the biggest challenge, especially with writing the second book, has is I think it's the kind of isolation and aloneness and loneliness that can come with writing. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's by nature, it's a very solitary pursuit. And I think it can be very easy to get very lost 
in whatever story you're trying to get down on the page and kind of forget the world around you, forget to um, talk to people, forget to go outside, all of those kinds of things. And I think because of the situation we're in at the moment, yeah. all of all of that has been exacerbated so much. So it's been quite difficult to find the right balance. Um, and I think as well, it's quite hard to go from doing something that's very personal and very introspective to then you know going out into the world and being a social being and you know having conversations with people and stuff like that it can be quite difficult to go from one to the other very quickly mm-hmm. so um and and yeah. the going out and talking to people is also fraught with literal danger it's yeah. it's, it's <laughs> It's never been this way for writers. It's always felt like this for writers, perhaps. But it's just that true. nice little extra added anxiety for <laughs> frisson of terror. Yeah. <laughs> what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Oh, that's also a very good question. I think my biggest joy is the satisfaction of knowing that I've written something really good. And being quite smug and proud about yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Love that it's feeling. The best feeling ever when you know you've had a really good session yeah. and you're like, yeah, that is really good stuff. What I've just written down there. I love that feeling so that much. That particular brand of smugness is something I think about a lot yeah. and it is so delicious. Like you can't, yeah. you can't share it with anybody because then smug goes wrong, but like inside yeah. your heart, you just sitting, you know, yeah. especially if you like sit on the couch with something delicious afterwards, you know, oh, it's, mm, it's literally exactly. the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with our readers? Yes, I can. So, um, something that I've found really useful in my writing and I think it's probably a bit unconventional is um, I really like using um, screenwriting uh, craft for my fiction writing. Like what? So so things like um, there's a great screenwriter theorist called Blake Snyder um, who wrote a book called Save the Cat but he has a beat sheet. Um, You can look it up online. It's free to view online. And it's essentially, um, it's kind of like a a story structure, but it's specifically for screenwriting. Um, But he basically lists every single beat you need to have in a story to make it cohesive. And it's just a really nice, it's almost a little bit like paint by numbers. Yes, Um, hand it over. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's really nice to have someone telling you, this is what you need to do to make your story work. And inevitably it always ends up, you know, not following, you know, the structure to a T. But I feel like I'm a real plotter. I love plotting my stuff out. So when I'm in the really early stages of writing something new, um, I use Blake Snyder's beat sheet to plot everything out and it really helps me to kind of visualize the story in its completeness. I love um, that. So I definitely recommend that. So where do you keep all of this plotting? Is this something that you're writing a long synopsis and then you're writing the book or is it more like outline format? Um, it's usually a spreadsheet that gets I love more a spreadsheet. More. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> We're weirdos, but they're just, oh, they're so good. You know, what's really satisfying about a spreadsheet is dropping your word count in 
um, for each chapter and watching the total go up. I love that. So good. I've actually <laughs> never combined the plotting with the, with the, I want to do that now. I really want to do that. I want to see delightful. that happen. <laughs> it's very satisfying. All about the small wins. <laughs> okay. So I'd love to go granular on this. What is, what else is on this um, spreadsheet? You've so, got your scenes probably planned out. How, yeah. how much is written in each box for a scene? How much do you know about it? Probably like not very much in the early stages, probably a couple of sentences mm -hmm. uh, for each scene. And then I will usually have a separate tab, tab with my main character or main characters and then all of the secondary characters and their relationships um, to my main characters. So the book that I'm um, writing at the moment has kind of three main characters in it. Um, so I've got each of those guys and then kind of all of their family members, all of their friends mm. and their relationships. So I can just keep track of the names and things like that. Um, and then things like people's ages, what they do for a job. Um, so I don't accidentally change their job halfway through <laughs> those kinds of things. <laughs> and then I usually have a separate tab, which is kind of a to-do list. Ooh. Um, so as I'm writing, I tend not to look back too much as, uh, you know, I don't sort of edit as I go along because I find myself getting pulled out of the story. So as I'm writing, if something occurs to me that I need to then go back and change, I'll kind of uh, keep a list of everything that I need to do. And then when I'm sort of towards the end of the manuscript, that's when I'll go back and kind of weave all those extra bits and pieces in. I, I do something exactly like that, but I use post-its. And I, when every time I have an idea, I jot a post-it and they're all in one spot and then I'll oh, put them out later to that. fix. But I, but I also really <laughs> like the idea of being in the, in the spreadsheet. I just love a spreadsheet. I'm less of a plotter, but I, I want to be more of a plotter always. Um, <laughs> what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? I think the thing that I've noticed affected my writing and it's only because I'm not doing very much of it at the moment is driving. I didn't ah. realize mm, I was thinking about this question earlier I was like what is it it's quite a hard one but um I think I do a lot of my writing quote mm -hmm. unquote uh while I'm doing things that don't require a lot of um sort of brain power yeah not not to say I mean I do concentrate when I'm driving <laughs> <laughs> no but it's but it's rote it's automatic yeah yeah exactly especially if you're driving somewhere familiar you can you can kind of go on autopilot mm -hmm. and I realize that there are lots of things that are quite quotidian in my sort of daily life where I'm writing and I'm not realized that I'm writing but I'm just doing it in my head so now, because I used to drive to the train station to go to work, mm. and obviously we're working from home now, um, I've had to find different pockets of time where I can do that kind of brain work um, where I've lost it from things like driving. So that's like, been really interesting. What pockets have you found? So walking the dog. Mm. Um, so that's I have a, a golden one. retriever. So when I'm walking oh. him. He's lovely. <laughs> um, things like doing chores, like um, doing the hoovering or uh, washing the dishes. Dishes are good. All of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, any kind of cleaning. Um, yeah. All those sorts of things. Making dinner, anything yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's been really interesting. 
yeah but I've realized it's made me realize that actually I'm doing a lot more work internally than I thought I was you know I always kind of thought that you know the act of writing was sitting in front of a page and getting the words down and you know doing your plotting and your planning and things like that but so much is just going on kind of in the background when you don't even realize it and I think it has to I think that's a wonderful thing for people to to think about and realize is that you are doing the work um for me I the driving thing I I miss all the podcasts I used to listen to, but nowadays yeah. when I drive, I tend to not put the podcast on because I want that time for the, for yeah, the low absolutely. grade thinking. Yeah. 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 The kind of psychological space needed. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I could also do more walking, but you know, that, that involves leaving <laughs> the chair and I don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? So I've been kind of reading a little bit outside of what I would normally read at the moment and it's because I'm writing so I'm trying not to read anything too close to my own writing yeah and I think also I just I'm really desperate at the moment for just lovely uplifting romance I think we all need it at the moment yeah um so I've been leading I've been reading lots and lots of good romances and rom-coms um one of them is The Mismatch by Sarah Jafari Oh, I um, so I don't I think it comes out in June mm. so one for your list um and that is about a British Iranian girl who uh meets a white boy who is very kind of it's a very opposites attract thing not just in terms of um coming from different cultures and upbringings but also like he's a jock and she's an arty type and that kind of thing oh it sounds delicious um, yeah, it's very, very good. And it's kind of just about, it's kind of an opposites attract story. Um, but it also has, you know, some much, um, much more um, difficult issues in there as well. So yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. The mismatch, And then I've also, okay. yeah, the mismatch. And then I've also been reading loads of Mary McFarlane at the moment. I don't I know if you read know her. her. So she's a, a British uh, rom-com writer and she just does the best, most joyous romances ever. I absolutely really? love her. Yeah, I always go back to her. You know, if I'm feeling a bit down or I just need something really light and uplifting and, you know, something to read in the bath, I just love Mary McFarlane. Do you so have a particular I- favourite that you would recommend I start with? Oh. I think um, If I Never Met You is a good one. And the one I'm reading at the moment is called uh, It's Not Me, It's You. Um, Great. (laughs) That's such a good title. (laughs) Um, And I'm halfway through that. I haven't finished it yet, but it's very good so far. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Speaking of wonderful, wonderful books, can you please tell us a little bit about Careless, what it's about and and give us a little taste of it? Oh, it's not quite an uplifting rom-com. <laughs> it's not, but it's so beautiful. It's oh, so beautifully written. You. I would like to think it's very uplifting as well. Um, so Careless is about um, a young girl who's 15. Her name is Bess. Uh, she is in foster care. Um, she's growing up in a small suburban town just outside of London. And she finds out that she's pregnant 
And the story is basically following Bess as she kind of decides what she wants to do about this pregnancy. Um, and it's also about her best friend, Ishal, who um, is a British Bangladeshi and is kind of um, being expected to participate in an arranged marriage and she's not so sure that she wants to. Um, and it's just kind of about these two girls their friendship um you know their unconditional love for one another and you know how they kind of overcome all of these really difficult situations um to kind of follow their dreams and establish their own agency and um you know um carve their own paths for themselves um so yeah I mean it is it does it deals with some difficult issues but I think ultimately it's really um, a story about hope, hope and, you know, aspiration and. And that beautiful and that beautiful friendship. You, you write yeah, the friendship between yeah. the girls so wonderfully. It's, it's evident from the beginning of the book. So. Oh, um, thank you. I'm glad you didn't accidentally <laughs> spoil the ending by saying, you know, and then they are never friends again. <laughs> it would be unbearable. <laughs> Okay. And where can we find you out there on the internet? So I am on Twitter at Kirsty Capes and I am on Instagram at kirstycapes.author. Perfect. Kirsty, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. It was a joy to talk to you and may your debut novel fly from the shelves. Oh, thank you so, so much. All right. It's so Take lovely care. to meet you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.